0: So Jason, what got you into podcasting in the first place? Were you a podcast fan before you were a podcast host?
1: Yeah, I went to school back, I'm I'm dating myself, when I went to college back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was a communications major. Radio was always what I gravitated to. I had a radio show that was a blast where I probably got away with some things that I would never get away with on a traditional radio station, but that's a story for another day. And I'd always loved it, but I never got into it as a profession. I I found out when I, I moved from the small town of Bradford, Pennsylvania, where I went to college and where I grew up, to Pittsburgh after school, that it was a little difficult to get right into it without interning. And because I needed to pay for things and have a place to live, it really didn't work out in my favor. So over the years, I got into different things in regards to my career path. And I had met a gentleman who did. What well, I learned that night was a podcast. And when he told me what it was, I'm like, well, what? tell me about what this is. And he said, oh, it's like radio for the Internet. Huh, interesting. OK, that sounds good. And that made me do a little bit more digging and searching. And my best friend and I had kicked around starting a podcast once we got more familiar and we were seeing what this medium was all about. And it was starting to become more popular. You're seeing more podcasts pop up and we could never land on anything that we really wanted to do. And at that point, I was running a craft beer blog and I was launching a service that was going to help promote events and, and, and news and, and things happening within the beer drinking community here in Pittsburgh. And as I was launching that, like right before I think it was the day I made the site live, I had a guy jump on Twitter and just start trolling me about how I, this was never going to work and this was never going to be a good thing. And I don't know how how do you think you can do this? Blah, blah, blah. And it got me wondering what this guy did. And I said, hmm, it's a podcast about beer. I can do that and I can do it better. Texted my buddy, said, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be our podcast. We're going to do a podcast about beer. That was it. That was like the extent of our planning. And the results showed that because the show sucked. (laughs) Looking back on it from an experience standpoint, it was great because it got me into podcasting. It helped me learn some things that I obviously needed to develop and get better at, but it helped me rekindle that fire for radio and for audio that I had back in college. And then one thing led to another and it's brought me to where I am today, where I'm working in the industry full time. So it's great how everything has panned out. It it just took a minute to get there, but that's what brought me in. It's a funny story. I always tell people don't start a podcast out of spite because I feel like that's what I did. But like I said, in the long and short of it, it was very, very good experience. We got to meet some really cool people, have some awesome conversations. And like I said, it was good foundation for where I'm at today.
0: You know, Jason, I, I love that story because my daughter, one of my daughters is right now in college, a DJ at the local college station. And talk about not having an audience or not knowing if anyone's listening. She doesn't. But she doesn't care because it's, it's a form of expression. She gets mm-hmm. to choose the music. She wants to play. She gets to talk about the bands. She wants to feature. She even has a platform to invite local bands to come on the station and play live, which is so super cool. I mean, she's uh-huh. a, a junior in college who basically is a music maven for Minneapolis because she's on the air. And nobody has to know that her audience may not exist or it might be small. She doesn't even care. And the fact that you came out of that kind of background as well is wonderful. But the thing I really want to point to is you you called it don't or you said, don't start a podcast out of spite. I didn't get that out of your story. What I got was, if he can do that, I can do it too. So what's stopping me? And that is the whole point. If you think it's hard... Think again. Now, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's not hard. There was a time when you could not do anything a podcast does without a 50,000-watt radio station behind you. But now, the democratization of audio and video, if you want to look at it that way, but I'm talking specifically about audio in the podcast space, anybody can have their own radio station about whatever you want via a podcast and that's what i love about it because let's face it how many people are actively thinking i need to find a resource about nonfiction branding it's a concept they don't know anything about why because i i made it up or they might be thinking well i need to build my personal brand again not a lot of people are thinking about that but maybe they should be so this is my opportunity to find my niche or my niche, depending on how you like to pronounce it, the same way you're doing it with the podcast guest optimization kind of empire you're you're beginning to build about helping people discover how podcasts can work for them even if they don't have a podcast. And I think that's brilliant. We talked about it last week. We'll talk about it even more this week. But I want to just point out again, you decided you could do it because someone who is good giving you a ration of crap, was doing it so you wanted to do it better than they did. That is perfectly fine motivation. Let me tell you, what is it? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? Yeah, to a certain extent, but in reality, being better than they did it because they cheesed you off a little bit, that's the sincerest form of, (laughs) take that, you son of a fill in the blank so you went from there you developed the podcast are you still doing the beer podcast no that actually what, what ended up
1: happening there was i did that beer podcast and my best friend and i just it, life started taking over schedules sure. were driving sure. and then i did the show by myself for a while with other people as guests and then when i found, i decided okay i think i'm going to retire that and rebrand it to what my blog was called so i did that and then ran with that for a little bit And then as, after I did that show for, my gosh, I can't remember how many episodes I got to. I did. That was when I decided, and this, I feel like this was the most critical step. I don't think you have this, but this is just, I chose to do as I was doing that podcast. I really started evaluating the whole podcasting space and what I wanted to make of it and, and get from it and realized that the value that I was providing just wasn't as good as it could be. I needed to get better at my craft. And obviously, continuing to do interviews helps with that. And you can develop your voice and really just get better on the fly. But I felt like I had enough of that under my belt that I really wanted to just take some time away, not worry about the production side, just study what other people were doing in regards to relaying their message through their voice. So I canceled that podcast, took it down, and took about a year and a half of just listening to other podcasts, listening to radio shows, listening to personalities deliver the news, broadcast sports. So I was watching all of these things for an entirely different reason than I ever had before. I got very analytical and it helped me discover, okay, there's pace, there's tempo, there's things that I should be focusing on when I'm doing an interview and, and, and laying back and letting somebody get their point across. Don't try to interrupt and interject something and focus more on having a valuable conversation versus trying to interrupt with a point that I feel is so poignant, I have to get it out before I forget it. So all of these things went into my mind. I call it like a little short end associate's degree of podcasting where I just took time to study, took time to learn, and then I got back into it, launched a new show, and that show was much more successful. So I I had that more on the beer side of marketing, beer side of sales. Just I was trying to create a podcast that was more for the business side versus just the craft beer drinker, because there are a lot of podcasts that did that. So I wanted to do something a little different. And over time, as I get, I guess I guess I attribute it to age. As I got older. That passion that I once had for beer and for drinking and partying and just being a you know, fun loving guy, it got, I got more serious about things and I just didn't have that same passion. So I shifted gears and I took it more towards the personal branding and marketing side of things and, and started focusing more on the platform as a whole. Because as I looked at my development and my timeline through that whole process, podcasting was the constant. I changed a few things here and there in regards to approach, but podcasting was the constant. I knew this was the industry I wanted to be a part of, so it was determining how. So I actually did launch another podcast that was dedicated to delivering tips and strategies about podcasting, so it was a podcast for podcasters, and that show's still out there. And I just did release a second season of that show a couple months back, but there's probably not going to be plans to do anything further because my focus now is on evolution of brand. And I'm loving how that show's going. And I want to keep building on those results.
0: There you go. I mean, I love the fact that you went to school on podcasting and audio and hosting and interviewing by listening to the best in the wherever they happen to be. And uh, I think that's something that uh, a lot of people don't do or maybe don't do enough of one of the things that I, I'm sure you advise your advisees, and I certainly do myself, is before you start building a podcast or producing a podcast, listen to a ton of them and find a handful that are the ones that you constantly enjoy and figure out why you enjoy them. One of my favorite podcasts is Daring Fireball's John Gruber's podcast called The Talk Show. And it has no music at the front. It has no intro at the front. He doesn't introduce himself or his guest or anything like that. I've talked about that podcast on this podcast a couple of times because I'm just impressed by his respect for the intelligence of his audience. And that's what I take away from his podcast. He respects the intelligence of his audience. Another podcast I really love is the Pivot podcast with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway which focuses on tech and media and stuff like that. And it's their banter back and forth. And while you can tell they've got a framework for the show, like they have sections where they know they're going to talk about this general topic, they have no scripts. I mean, they have some scripted uh, advertisements in the middle of it. But for the most part, it's just pure conversation. And they're laughing at each other. And it's just so purely human. That's what I took from that. So my goal is to have a podcast that, uh, that truly respects the uh, intelligence of my audience and allows for conversations with people like you, Jason, that are, yes, we agree on the importance of some stuff, but you're coming at stuff from a different point of view. And if you took issue with something I said, I would be thrilled because then I know I'd be learning something. I hate those Amen Corner podcasts where everyone is in agreement all the time. I love it when someone says, well, you know, I kind of take issue with that. Oh, good. Tell me why. So, Jason, take issue with something I've just said and tell me why. I wish I could. No, but I can can piggyback on what you just said
1: with 100% confidence and say controversy creates cash. Controversy creates listenership. More people are going to be sucked into something that could turn into a little bit more heated. It's just, it's the staring at an accident type of mentality. We love that type of thing in our world, but at the same time, I think it opens up the windows for more learning to take place. Because if you, if I just went with what you just said and said, Oh yeah, I agree with everything you say. That's a terrible conversation. And there's only one point of view, but, if I can come back and, and, and add to what you just said with what I'm saying now and then add on top of that, what I love about your show, DP, one of the things I love about your show, you get right to the value. You get right to the conversation. That's what I do on my show as well. And that was as I was putting, like I said before, I think I said this last week, I put a year's worth of time into building what I wanted Evolution of Brand to be. And I listened to a lot of different podcasts for the best elements of those shows and the one that really tipped me off on doing getting to the value as fast as possible is Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. It's about a 30-second to one-minute intro that just sets a table for what you're going to learn, for who the guest is, and then he does a quick sponsor ad, and he's right into the content within about a minute. And I started thinking, I'm like, my gosh, back in the day, I would do this 30-second to one-minute intro song that... Every week was the same, so if if I had an avid listener, they had to sit and listen to that if they didn't press fast forward. And then I do this opening monologue that could be anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes and it was, you know, you're 12 minutes deep before you're getting to the actual reason that people showed up for the show and that was to hear the conversation. So I started thinking that the value is not in this beginning intro part. The value is let's get people to the meat and potatoes of this interview as fast as possible and not fill the show up with a lot of fluff. I know one of the big misconceptions in the space is that I can't have to be certain life. Why? Yeah. Everywhere else in the world, we're trying to shorten things. You know, we have an example that we talked about on one of the episodes of pod theory, me and Travis Brown, who's a good buddy of mine. And we did a whole season about misconceptions of podcasting. And we talked about, okay, if you have a clogged toilet and you go to YouTube to find out how you can unclog that toilet, and your search query delivers back a three minute video, a six minute video and a nine minute video, which one are you going to watch? Shortest one possible. You're going to watch the three minute video because the shortest one possible. So our mentality there is how can I get the value that I'm looking for as fast as possible. But when I'm making a podcast, I've got to make it an hour long. No, not at all. Make it as long as it needs to be to get the value out there, to get the message out there. And if you can cut out some of the BS, which would be a, lengthy intro or a huge monologue or a a huge ending outro. Like there's all kinds of things you can do to save time, but give people the value, give it to them as fast as possible. And that's going to keep them engaged with your content. And, That's where I feel that if we're going to keep getting better as podcasters, those are the elements we have to start looking at. So again, taking that time to study, evaluate what others are doing. What can you emulate? I'm not saying rip people off or copy them verbatim, but you can learn so much from just listening to the good shows that have made an impact on the world. And then in turn, as people discover you, your show will make an impact as well.
0: Because so much of our conversation has been about your podcast guest optimization strategies we got to definitely encourage listeners to do that as well, which is listen to the best guests and determine Mm -hmm. what makes them the best guests. I mean, seriously, there are people who are on podcasts all the time. Why? Because the hosts know that these guests are going to be spot on, just interesting to listen to every single time. Everyone knows Brene Brown, right? The vulnerability and all that stuff. That topic would be dismal if she wasn't this personable, likable, beautiful person inside and out who is up there being so dang real. Now, I actually went and looked up her very first TEDx talk, not TED talk. It was TEDx, and in my book, nonfiction brand, I refer to TEDx as the kids' table of TED, which it is, and it was TEDx Houston. So it was a bigger TEDx. It wasn't TEDx Stevens Point, which we have here in Wisconsin, but it was, but it's still small, right? She gets up there and gives the most compelling talk about shame, because she was a researcher about shame to determine why we feel shame, what shame is, all this stuff. And I'm like, why am I watching this woman talk about shame? And the answer is because she's compelling to watch, to learn from, to get her sharing. So, yeah, I'll spend whatever amount of time to listen to her talk about shame because she's got great skills as a communicator. And that's the key. To be a great podcast guest you've got to be a communicator. To be a great podcast host, you've got to be a communicator. And when you get those two plus two together, you get 15. And that's what I love about this. Again, I want listeners to be able to get your podcast guest optimization strategy book. How can they get that? Where do they have to go to grab some of your Jason Sircone goodness? Head
1: over to jasoncirconecom slash nonfictionbrand, and you'll be able to get access to 10 tips for becoming a valuable, fully optimized podcast guest. That is my free gift to all the great listeners of Nonfiction Brand, and you can also connect with me on your favorite social network from that page as well. But yeah, I I mean, to piggyback on what you said in, in regards to communication, that's paramount. That is the number one aspect. And something to keep in mind, especially if you're thinking about podcast guest marketing or even starting a podcast, you may not have all those skills in place right now, but you can develop them. And, and yeah. that's one of the big aspects of the guide that I put together and everything I do with the trainings and coachings that I do is let's get you in a place to become optimized. Once you start doing interviews, you're going to get comfortable telling your brand story. and and getting your message out there. And the more you tell it, the more it becomes second nature and it starts to become more and more impactful as you progress. But don't be shying away from it because you feel like you're just not an effective communicator right now. You got to take time to develop that voice and develop that confidence. Once you do, man, sky is the limit.
0: And the beauty is when you get started doing this, You don't have an audience all you're doing is you're practicing you're practicing and you're practicing and you know here in the great state of wisconsin we love us some vince lombardi quotes and one of the best ones is practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect if you start a podcast as a host or if you start going on podcasts as a guest The more repetitions you get, a lot of people will call them at-bats to change the sports metaphor there. The more at-bats you take, the better your batting percentage is going to be. And longtime listeners of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast will remember one of our favorite guests is George B. Thomas. He does a ton of videos about HubSpot. I asked him, so how many videos did you do before you heard something other than crickets in your audience? And he said "Uh, about 75. I'm like, seriously? And he said, no, that's great because the first 50 were terrible. (laughs) Then they started getting better. Then they started getting good. And right about the time they really were becoming solid. That's when my audience started showing up. And from there, the growth happened because he had built his confidence. He'd built his skills on camera and on a microphone. So that when the audience was ready to find him, he was ready to give them something of value. And that's what Jason Sircone's doing, man. I'm telling you, check out his Evolution of Brand podcast, any place you get fine podcasts for free. His last name is spelled C-E-R-C-O-N-E, Jason Sircone. I want to thank you again, Jason, for being on the Nonfiction Brand podcast. I want to give you an opportunity again to tell people where they can pick up that special guide. DP, I really appreciate you having me on. I've
1: been a big fan of your show, I'm a huge fan of your book, and it's been great getting to connect with you personally, both on my show and now through your show, and I'm confident we'll keep this relationship going as we continue in our personal brand missions. But yeah, again, for all of the great listeners of Nonfiction Brand, visit JasonSircone.com slash And you can get a free copy of 10 Tips for Becoming a Valuable, Fully Optimized Podcast Guest, my gift to you. And if you're into the social media game, I do have my links there where we can connect. And I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation with everybody after you check out what's on that page.
0: Thank you again, Jason, for that. And thank you for listening to Nonfiction Brand. If you'd like to support the podcast, there are two ways you can do it. One, go to Amazon.com and search for Nonfiction Brand. You might have to add my name, Knutten, A-N-U-D-T-E-N, and you'll be able to see my book, Nonfiction Brand, Discover, Craft, and Communicate, the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Or go to Patreon.com slash Nonfiction Brand, where you can actually become a patron of this podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, D.P. Knutin, and he is Jason Sircone. And I'll be talking at you again next time. Bye-bye.